Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. In the new millennium, the United States has been struck by dozens of tropical cyclones ranging from rain-soaked tropical storms to catastrophic Category 5 hurricanes. Regardless of the intensity, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, more commonly known as FEMA, has been in place for every single event. Today, we have the current acting administrator, Pete Gaynor, with us. In just a short period of time in office, he has managed to uh, manage intense river flooding in the Midwest this spring and currently Hurricane Dorian scraping up the southeast coast. We'll discuss how his journey has unfolded thus far and how his extensive background in emergency management has prepared him for this task. Thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Great to be here. Now, you were confirmed by the Senate on October 11, 2018 as the deputy administrator of FEMA, and you've been serving as the acting administrator since March 8th. Let's just dive right in, and then we'll get back to your background, but what's the current status of FEMA operations as it relates to Hurricane Dorian? Uh, we are at full activation in uh, Washington, D.C. at the NRCC, the National Recovery, uh, on the National Response Coordination Center, uh, and we have a sister uh, agency uh, in Georgia today, uh, part of our Region 4, the Regional uh, Coordination Center, so we're all uh, fired up. We've been doing it for about 12 days. Uh, Dorian is a slow mover, as you well know. Um, but the whole team is uh, working hard uh, 24 hours a day. Yeah, it's it's been a challenge. As a meteorologist myself, it's been a challenging storm. Uh, earlier in the period, we uh, looked like Florida was going to be the sort of epicenter for landfall, if you will. But now uh, the models uh, for the last several days have had a handle on this recurvature. How does that affect FEMA operations when you see a potential Florida landfall? And I know I was per- uh, personally affected by this because I was going to the Florida State, Boise State, football game in Jacksonville that was moved. But how do you, how does that affect your operations? Or are you sort of nimble enough to adjust to any situation? Well, uh, if we go back in time a little bit, you know, we were first watching Dorian as it uh, approached uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Uh, very fortunate out there that that track uh, kind of uh, split uh, between both of those. Uh, the unfortunate part of that, uh, Dorian did not go over land and uh, remove some of the energy. And uh, and that's what we see today. Uh, I think what is unique about Dorian, uh, especially as a slow mover and preparedness is, uh, this is one of the first times we've done multi-state uh, uh, or prepared to do multi-state responses. So uh, we have resources, staff, uh, and uh, and uh, equipment uh, as far south as Miami and as far north as uh, 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 Raleigh, North Carolina. So we we are out there uh, in force. Uh, one of our uh, mantras from uh, the beginning of Dorian, because we knew it was going to be a big storm, was a big storm, big response, and that's how we've approached it. Right, it is a very large storm, and with the some of the meteorological evolution of the storm, uh, with the eyewall replacement cycle that we talk about in meteorology, the wind field really broadened. So uh, even with it not making landfall. Uh, directly, at least in Florida, and it may still in the Carolinas, uh, the hazards are there, the the flooding and the storm surge. Uh, So um, in terms of challenges, would would you say, 
in terms of this is your first time dealing with a hurricane in this role. Uh, so far, I mean, is just the slowness of the storm or is, is that the biggest challenge? What are some of the challenges that you feel like you faced as the acting administrator of FEMA? Well, uh, so for this storm, I think, uh, you know, the slowness has probably allowed us to uh, put a little extra uh, time and effort into being prepared and making sure the resources are in the right place at the right time uh, for when that governor calls upon it, we can deliver that. Uh, so it's given us uh, time there. I think the downside of Dorian is because it's so long, trying to keep the attention of uh, the public, uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, trying to keep their attention has been, I think, difficult. Uh, you grow weary uh, over time, uh, and if it never makes landfall, I think people may uh, prematurely dismiss that. And, and and again, I think one of the reasons we're here at the Weather, sta- uh, weather Channel is to make sure that we keep that message up, because this is not over yet, and there's still uh, many people that are in danger of uh, uh, surge and flood, rain and winds. Uh, so we have many days to go before Dorian is out of our hair. And we're talking with acting FEMA Administrator Pete Gaynor about the response to Dorian. Uh, as we're taping this, uh, Dorian is just off the coast of Florida, uh, parts of Florida are experiencing tropical storm wind gusts, rainfall, and the storm will inch closer to Georgia and the Carolinas, perhaps even making landfall in the Carolinas. If it does make landfall in the Carolinas, um, what role is FEMA playing? I know that you have people embedded with the Hurricane Center or working closely with the Hurricane Center. I have some good colleagues and friends that I know. But if we do deal with a landfalling storm later in the period, uh, just walk us through how how is FEMA responding at that point? Uh, so this whole response, no matter if it's Dorian or something else, is really a whole of government response. Uh, so uh, it has to be locally executed, state managed, and fairly supported. Uh, we have partners in that. So our uh, federal partners uh, like DOD is part of our response, uh, and our non-federal partners uh, like the American Red Cross and others that help uh, to include citizens. They are they're probably the most important part of our response because we want uh, citizens to make really good decisions uh, based on the threat they see in their community. So uh, if you're under a voluntary or mandatory evacuation order, uh, you really need to pay attention to, to your local officials. Uh, should it make landfall, uh, you know, the system is designed where uh, it, it you know, locals kind of have the first crack at it, and then the state comes in and the feds come in, uh, and, and that's all prescripted. Uh, we're out uh, this week. Uh, I was in uh, Tallahassee yesterday, uh, meeting with uh, Governor DeSantis and his team to make sure he had everything he need uh, should uh, Dorian uh, have negative impacts on Florida. Uh, today, we're in Georgia, checking with uh, Georgia Emergency Management and the governor. Uh, tonight, we'll be in South Carolina, making sure we check with, with them to make sure they have everything they need, uh, the full array of federal support uh, to, to include our partners no matter what happens. And that's really how it works, uh, but it really is a team effort. It, uh, the whole way, whole of government response to these big disasters. One of the things that, as a meteorologist, I've been been at this for 25 years or so, first at NASA and now at the University of Georgia as a professor, but I'm, I, I'm former president of the American Meteorological Society. And in that role, I often talk about the challenge with messaging these weather events. And you alluded to this as well. Um, if people think it's going somewhere and it doesn't, they let their guard down. Um, but I think that you at the federal level and even emergency uh, operations at the state level, have been very proactive about this. I know here in the state of Georgia, uh, there were evacuations in parts of the coastal regions and parts of the Carolinas. Do you fully support this idea of very preemptive actions, even if 
something doesn't happen. Because I think the public, we struggle with messaging with the public when they prepare for something and sometimes it doesn't, it's not as bad as they think it is. But I, I believe we have to be proactive and I commend you for what you all are doing. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be proactive uh, and you have to over prepare. I think that's uh, to, to unprepare probably is a crime. Um, and so uh, we want people to, uh, to take action uh, ahead of time, right? Make, do all those things uh, to keep yourself and your family uh, out of trouble. Uh, and, and it is a balance. Uh, we, we don't want to uh, be heard as a, as a car alarm where no one really pays attention to it anymore. You walk by it. It's, it we hear it all the time. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're, we're saying enough. Uh, but we're not saying too little because, again, uh, especially with this storm, very problematic. Uh, it, it's going to cut across Florida. It's going to touch three coasts. Uh, it's 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 going to be a Cat Five across Palm, West Palm, and now it's going up the coast, and maybe it makes landfall in South Carolina or North Carolina. I mean, we're trying to balance all those messages uh, because we need the attention of the public because our primary goal is public safety and life safety. So. Uh, that really drives us to make sure that uh, we get the message out uh, you know, with the right balance to keep their attention. Uh, this has been a little challenging, though. Well, we're talking with uh, acting FEMA Administrator Pete Gaynor. I want to give you a little bit of his background because he, he clearly knows what he's doing. He's got a ton of experience in this. Uh, again, he's been acting administrator of FEMA since March 8th, 2019. Uh, he was confirmed by the U.S. Senate on October 11th, 2018 as the deputy administrator of FEMA. Uh, he was appointed director of Rhode Island's Emergency Management Agency in January 2005. Uh, many years of experience as an emergency manager, award-winning and also served as 26 years as an enlisted Marine and infantry officer in the U.S. Marine Corps. So thank you for your service thank and you. your continued service. I always like to give that, put that out there because our federal civil servants serve this nation as well. And as a former civil servant, I really appreciate what you at FEMA and the, the, the good people at FEMA are thank doing. You. So uh, do you think that the recent Hurricane Michael that uh, happened in the panhandle of Florida last year, these recent events, even Florence and the Carolinas, the inundation that they experienced last year from a stalling hurricane. Do you think those recent events make people more aware of and more likely to act? Or do you think they just kind of get weary from these storms? Well, it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, I had the opportunity to go down to uh, Mexico Beach uh, probably uh, uh, 30 days ago and kind of visit uh, how the recovery is going down there. Um, you know, that community, uh, they'll come back. Uh, they're working at it right now to, to build back smarter and uh, better. Uh, they just passed brand new building codes uh, to make sure that uh, wh whoever builds on Mexico Beach and surrounding areas uh, build to the highest standard. I think they call it locally the Miami standard to make sure those houses uh, are built to, uh, to withstand uh, you know, significant uh, hurricane. Uh, that's local driven, right? So the, the mayor and the town manager are making those decisions to say, hey, when, if and when the next one comes, we're going to be completely ready as a community for it. Uh, that's a tough sell if you have not had a disaster. So uh, trying to change building codes in a community that has not uh, seen a disaster, a, a, a devastating disaster is hard because no one wants to give up their property. No one wants to spend money on something that maybe may or may not help them. Uh, but, you know, I think it's uh, our duty as public uh, servants to make sure that uh, we tell people what the risks are. Uh, that goes along with flood insurance. Uh, you know, flood insurance is the best defense you can have. Yes, it costs money uh, to, to, uh, to have that insurance, but really there's no better investment you can make uh, as a homeowner. Uh, there are cases in, in Mexico Beach we, we visited with 
with some of the homeowners down there uh, that own nothing but a slab right now, uh, right? Their house is completely gone. Um, they, uh, you know, a couple of them had uh, homeowners insurance and they had flood insurance and they'll be fine, right? They'll, they'll, they'll have to navigate the, the, you know, getting construction crews back in there to do it. But we met others that had uh, no flood insurance, uh, had homeowners, but no flood. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. And I met homeowners that had no flood insurance and no homeowners insurance. Uh, right. So imagine trying to come back, uh, uh, I can't imagine that actually. I mean, I always I, a colleague of mine said if you can if you live near it can see water from your porch, you probably should have flood insurance. You, you, and really, it's the best defense. If I can just give an example from Hurricane Harvey, uh, we have a program in FEMA called Individual Assistance. Uh, the max you can get from that program, and it's really aimed at uh, a bridge between uh, disaster survivor in the moment uh, they lose their home or their apartment uh, to get them in the you know a hotel or get them uh, you know a rental car and those kinds of things. A bridge to a better uh, short-term uh, recovery. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the max, $34,000, less than 1% of all the applicants really maxed that out. The average payment, the payment was $4,000. Oh, wow. But if you had flood insurance, like if you were properly insured with flood insurance, the average payment was $119,000. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have the $4,000? You could have got that too, right? And you could have got the $119,000 uh, to get a start on your home and be back you know, recover faster. So uh, again, I think uh, flood insurance is really the best defense, uh, especially if you live at risk of flooding uh, along the coast or inland flooding. You really have to consider that because um, it, it, it gets you back to uh, some normalcy faster. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Pete Gaynor, the FEMA's acting administrator, about the nation's reaction and response to natural disasters. And as we are talking, uh, we are seeing uh, a, a potential um, challenging situation for the nation. We've already seen the challenges in the Bahamas, uh, Grand Bahama, and other places. Uh, my heart goes out to people there. We are uh, they're in our thoughts and prayers because that's just a devastating human tragedy down there. And now we're dealing with this in the United States as Hurricane Dorian inches up the coast. You mentioned the, those programs, the flood insurance programs and other things that FEMA has available. If, and, and God forbid, people will need these, but if people have a need for these types of assistance programs, where can they find out how to kind of get access to these? Well, if we talk about flood insurance, uh, call your insurance broker. Call If you have an uh, agent that, uh, you know, whether you're a uh, Allstate or USAA or uh, Amica uh, homeowners insurance, call your agent uh, and review your risks, right? Uh, one thing you can do right now, you can download the FEMA app, put your zip code uh, in that 
that app and find out uh, what your neighborhood is at risk for. Uh, understand those risks. You can actually get alerts uh, to make sure that you're aware of, uh, of, of uh, if something may happen. Uh, but you know, call your insurance agent, uh, review uh, how much a policy would cost, and uh, if you can do it, and uh, do it, because it's going to give you peace of mind. And then uh, if something bad happens, you, you already have it. If you're thinking about flood insurance uh, today and you and, and with Dorian, it's too late. It's too you late. need 30 days before okay. uh, the, the, the next disaster to have uh, uh, insurance. But I think insurance is, is, the, is the best bet. When it comes to other programs, those are really based on uh, a major disaster. So uh, should uh, Florida or South Carolina, one of the states, have a major disaster declared and approved by the president, then all those other programs come in and we have a full suite of, uh, of uh, or, or apparatus that kind of delivers that on the ground. So uh, we're not there yet. We hope we don't get there. Uh, but if it happens, we have a whole you're system ready. ready. Yes, you're yes, ready. Sir. Now, you were in the trenches during Michael and Florence, uh, uh, serving along with uh, former administrator Brock Long. Uh, no, no, no. no, no I, I got here after that. You were after yeah, those. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you did not. Because the question of where I was going with that, and maybe we can still address it, even what not being there. But from a FEMA perspective, have there been any processes or lesson learned because of recent storms like Michael or Florence that have been implemented or, or, or we're kind of full steam ahead. There's, uh, you know, one of the, the things I like best about emergency management is uh, we always do self-examination after the fact. Uh, we call them after-action reports. Uh, it's kind of the natural way we do business. And then from that after-action report, we do uh, improvement plans. Like, how do we make the next time a little bit better? Uh, so you know, we'll we'll do an after action on Dorian to see like what we did really well uh, and where we need to improve. It's just really part of our DNA when it comes to making sure the next time is just a little bit better. Uh, we did a, a public after action for Maria and and uh, and that that uh, 2017 storms. Lots of lots of things that we did well and lots of things we need to do a little bit better. Uh, one thing is uh, you know we didn't have enough uh, commodities, food, water, generators on Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, prior to Maria. Today, we have six times uh, those commodities uh, on island uh, in warehouses, uh, and, and we, we apply that throughout uh, the, the agency. So uh, Hawaii, we're expanding our warehouse. We're going to build a new warehouse in Alaska. Uh, so we've, we've learned, uh, and sometimes hard, hard, learned it the hard way, uh, but you have to embrace those things because you want to make the system better, uh, because our goal is to reduce, uh, you know, reduce the impact on uh, the American people uh, and, and be ready for the next storm. Now, back in June, you testified before Congress that FEMA was short 2,000 temporary reserve employees going into the hurricane uh, season, but you reassured everyone that the organization would be ready. How are we today on that? Uh, so, you know, so though that's shortage, and we are we are short. You know, those shortages really reflect uh, the recovery part of our business model, not really the response part. Uh, and again, uh, even though we have emergency in our title, uh, this is really a whole of government uh, response. So, uh, you know, plenty of people on the ground. Uh, today, 12,000 out there right now uh, on the ground responding uh, to Dorian and preparing for Dorian. Uh, we, we need to do a little uh, better work at uh, how we uh, recruit and attract people. Uh, 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 people, I don't think we we, we we need a little bit more more maturity in that model. Uh, we understand that. Uh, I've initiated a couple uh, uh, projects and initiatives uh, at headquarters to address that, and and we're gonna we'll we'll be where we need in a, in a couple years trying to get that delta. But we un, we understand what the problem is. Uh, we have a plan to uh, reduce that. Uh, again, we've had a couple big catastrophic seasons, 2017 and 18. Nothing like we've seen before. So. Uh, yeah, we weren't built for 
uh, you know, we, I think we were built for the average hurricane, uh, the average uh, snowstorm, those kind of things. I'm not sure we were built for 2017 and 18. Yeah, the, this is sort of new generation of hurricanes with rapid intensification and large size that we're seeing in storms like Maria and Harvey and now Dorian. Now, y- you were emergency management uh, director lead there in Rhode Island. Uh, you have nor'easters and snowstorms. How does a hurricane response compare to some of the responses you've seen in terms of those type of weather events in that part of the country? Yeah. Um, so I, I think we all, as professional emergency managers, take an all hazards approach. Uh, we try not to have a unique plan for every. Some some hazards have have to have a unique plan, uh, but we have an all hazards approach to to uh, really respond in similar ways uh, to to a wide range of disasters to make the to make the response simpler, right? Uh, you know, so a power outage. Uh, I think if you talk to most emergency managers around the counter, uh, around the country, the, the goal is to get the power back on. You know how the power went off, whether it went off from a hurricane or went off from a earthquake or went off some from a squirrel uh, that <laughs> ate through right. a right. It's all okay. It's all done now. How do we get it back on? So uh, I think we take that approach as professionals to to to, to attack those problems. So they're universal, right? So whether it was a snowstorm in Rhode Island or a hurricane, uh, obviously it's a, it's a much bigger scale. Uh, but I have a lot of talent that uh, that I work with to get me uh, everything that uh, we need to respond. Now, interestingly, as we're focusing here on Hurricane Dorian and we're talking with the acting administrator of FEMA, Pete Gaynor, Dorian's happening, but there are still other things going on around the nation or perhaps even the parts of the, the hemisphere that FEMA is dealing with. So you're not just leveraging all of your resources on Dorian at this point in time. Um, talk to us about just the and the listeners, you know, we, Weather Geeks listeners are very savvy and educated, but they don't necessarily there aren't emergency managers. So they might not know about the full breadth of what FEMA is thinking about in any given time. Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, so uh, and uh, uh, not a day goes by when I'm at FEMA that I don't learn something new about what we do, uh, and 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 that is not a uh, that is not a lie. Uh, so uh, one of the things I learned early on is how uh, how much we're responsible for when it comes to natural disasters. Uh, from American Samoa to the U.S. Virgin Islands is 9,300 miles. Uh, so from way out there to Guam to uh, Saipan, Tinian, Hawaii, Alaska. Uh, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, and everything in between, uh, we we own that when it comes to natural disasters. Uh, we also uh, own the National Continuity Program, uh, making sure that uh, uh, that uh, government is able to function uh, should something happen in the United States. So we own that program also. Uh, we also own the Preparedness Grant Program, uh, making sure that we uh, 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 Award money for preparedness efforts, uh, things like the Emergency Management Performance Grant or the Urban Area Security Initiative, making sure that uh, locals and states and counties are prepared for uh, you know terrorist attacks. We we support all those. Uh, I also run the largest insurance company when it comes to flood insurance uh, in the world, the single largest peril insurer for flood insurance in the world. Uh, so NFIP, FIMA. What, can, let me, can I interject there? What's the current status? I mean, every now and then I hear about oh NFIP needs to be reauthorized. This and that. Can you give us an update on the current status of the program? So we uh, we have a uh, risk rating 2.0 that's uh, underway that we're going to try to revitalize uh, NFIP. NFIP has not been updated since the 1970s. Wow. Uh, and and uh, you know some of the way we look at risk uh, is really not fair. 
so you know basically the premium that you pay should reflect the risk that uh, that you face. So if you imagine you have a house that you know the house on the first uh, street on the on the uh, on the ocean, right? That first house, the most beautiful house. Sure. Uh, you know. Theoretically, that house has the most risk for flooding or surge or wind. You should pay the highest premium. Uh, if you f- live farther bla- back on the block, uh, you should pay less, depending on the risk. Uh, and I'm not sure we reflect that. Uh, so we have a whole program uh, with the help of Congress, uh, hopefully to, to kind of revitalize that program, make it more transparent, uh, make it more cost effective, and obviously get more people to invest in it because it is fair. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm speaking with Pete Gaynor, FEMA's acting administrator. And he's responding and leading a a talented group of uh, civil servants and contractors and partners at all levels, state, local, federal, in response to Hurricane Dorian. And let me just set the stage here. As we're taping this, it is Wednesday morning. Hurricane Dorian is just off the coast of Florida, inching slowly uh, with tropical storm and hurricane force winds just off the coast and in some cases tropical storm force winds on the coast we see surge potential possible tornadoes flooding and so FEMA's on, on it and I, I, I want to commend you for what you're doing there and we're, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored that you're taking the time to come through the southeast with your message now throughout your decades of experience in the emergency management field um, I suspect the landscape has changed a little bit particularly with the rise of this little thing called social media. We struggle as meteorologists with social media because there is so much messaging about hurricanes out there, some of it more credible than others, and it's something that we struggle with. How do you think uh, social media and sort of the new landscape of communication has changed the job of an emergency manager? it's changed in a lot of uh, interesting ways. Uh, so I'll, I'll make the, uh, the the closest connection today. Right now, uh, I have a team of crowdsourcing professionals in the National Response Coordination. Really? Yep. Uh, there's there's probably six or seven of them right now uh, collecting uh, social media. Uh, f- for Dorian, that that's actually very interesting. Right, and, and, and we map it, so we have a great GIS uh, program. We can kind of see what's going on. Uh, we can respond to it. Uh, I, I get an update probably every thirty minutes from uh, from the detachment that sends me, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is what we're hearing," uh, and that informs our decisions. Now, will we make, you know. Uh, operational or strategic decisions based on that, maybe, but probably not. But it's going to inform us. It's going to give us a little, uh, a little telltale sign about about what may uh, be happening next. And uh, if you put enough other data together, uh, you know, outside of cr- uh, uh, crowdsourcing, so maybe that we're getting a report from local emergency managers, state emergency managers, sheriffs about something that's going on. You put that all together, and hopefully that gives you enough uh, information to make better decisions faster. Uh, 
so I think it's 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 really good. I think the downside of it is downside of uh, social media that there's so much of it, right? Uh, and there's so many different messages, and sometimes what is ex- what's true and what's not true and what's in the middle. Uh, it takes some expertise to do that, but uh, we've invested in, in, in social media and crowdsourcing to make sure that we understand uh, what's going on. It, it, it's here, right? You can't avoid it. Uh, you have to embrace it, and so we, we have. I want to commend you for that, actually, because so often I see the inertia towards how things are. In the, I'm in the academic field as a professor at a major university, and I often hear my colleagues say, well, I don't do that new thing, Twitter, and I look at them and say, oh, it's not new. It's been around. <laughs> but um, yeah. the point is, it is here, and and we do need to embrace it in, in real-time situations like this. It can be quite useful for messaging. And so I, I just want to commend you on that. I want, I want to sort of wrap this up here with a couple of questions. You're new in the position. You're the acting administrator. Um, and I, I don't know whether you'll um, be confirmed as the full administrator. We don't, it doesn't matter. You're in, the, you're in charge now. Um, what is your goal for FEMA? Uh, so my goal from the beginning, so, I, you know, uh, Brock Long asked me to come here to be his deputy, and I, I was uh, proud to do that. Uh, and he had asked me to look internally at the organization, uh, like, you know, as a business. So as a chief operating officer, you know, how can we improve uh, the processes internal, uh, which would enable us to deliver the, the products that we have more efficiently? Uh, and uh, so my primary goal today is the people of FEMA. Uh, and and so back to the shortage, right? So uh, if, if we don't have people, and it doesn't really matter uh, what we're delivering, so whether it's preparedness grants or continuity or disaster response, if you don't have people, uh, you can't do it. And if you don't have really good people, it makes it difficult. Uh, so uh, my investment in in uh, the people of FEMA is my primary goal uh, to, to, to fix that. So again, uh, we go out and we go... F- you know, it doesn't matter where I go. I, I ask uh, female employees, "Did we recruit you, or did you find us?" And 100 percent, maybe 99 percent, they found us. Good people find us because we have the greatest mission, uh, I think, in federal government. Right, uh, helping people before, during, after disasters. Great people find us, but that's no that's no way to run a business. We have to be out there competing uh, for all the best people uh, the, the nation has to offer. So, uh, whether you're an engineer or you're a scientist or you just want to be an emergency manager, we need to be out there competing with all the other big names. So, uh, you know, Nike and and uh, and. Apple and everyone else that's looking for great people, we need to be out there doing it because making investment in people is what's going to make the difference at FEMA. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that as a professor is putting students out that are looking for jobs. I, and actually, one of my former students, Min Fan, it works for FEMA and uh, very proud of him. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. that and, and so you, you are hiring then. There are opportunities with it. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to uh, USA Jobs uh, or you can just Google uh, on any of the search engines. We are out there. We're going to be out there even more because, uh, you know, Part of my goal when it comes to uh, human resources is that we have to have a wider, uh, a, a wider spray of, uh, of FEMA uh, jobs out there. So uh, you'll, you'll see more and more. Uh, uh, again, uh, this whole this whole magic works because we have great employees uh, in the field. Uh, you know, down in Florida, at the very pointy tip of the spear, all the way up to to, uh, to Washington D.C. and everywhere in between uh, is about that individual female employee making the difference, and that's my that's where my investment is. And I want to put in a plug for the FEMA app. I think it's just a, a must-have app. Uh, needs to be on every phone. I mean, I, I, I just it. Ha- I mean, people often ask, well, where do I go or where do I get tornado warnings or where do I how what do I need to do to prepare for this storm? It's there. It's on the FEMA app. Go find it. Get that app. 
Well, where else can people find you on social media and the app? Because I just think it's one of the best things out there, and I, I just want to make sure people know about it. Yeah, I think ready.gov really is kind of our forward-facing page about uh, all uh, things that we offer in preparedness. Uh, so from preparing your family to your business to children to pets uh, uh, to those that are elderly, all kind of uh, unique uh, preparedness opportunities out there. Lots of content, uh, great PSAs. We have a couple great PSAs on uh, surge uh, from three survivors uh, from Michael in Mexico Beach. Uh, if, you th- if you're out there right now and you're thinking, I'm not going to leave, you, you're under a mandatory evacuation order, go find that website. Go see what those people are saying. The greatest quote is that death was knocking on my door. That's a quote from a survivor in Mexico Beach and Michael last year, right? So uh, again, plenty of content out there. Go find it today. Make yourself and your family more prepared. Are, are you on Twitter anywhere? Can people follow you anywhere? I, yes, I am. Yeah. I'm on, I'm yeah. on Twitter. Just add, is yeah, that you, the, yeah, the uh, FEMA the director? FEMA uh, P- at FEMA underscore Pete. Yes, I, I don't do it myself, but yes. I'm out there. Oh, of course right, not. Right. You've got more important things to do, but I just want to make but sure people out, can I follow out there. you. A lot of us are out there. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Kanuski is out there, as as is others. So, and at uh, FEMA have, is the Twitter site for, co- the, for correct, the organization. Correct. I want to thank you You're so welcome. much for taking this sliver of time to come talk to. We have, we have a lot of listeners out there. Right. You know, New generation listens to podcasts and streaming, so you've reached quite a few people, and thank you for your time. My pleasure to be here. Thanks, Doc. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Be safe out there as we deal with Hurricane Dorian and any other threat that comes our way and continue to subscribe and spread the word about the Weather Geeks podcast. See you later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.